Hey, what up? It's Podcast Rebellion. We're back at it again here in the Davis McCord State Farm Studio. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me, Mr. Nicholas Carr. He was absent last week. He is in attendance this evening. Before we get into our show, talk some Tim Elko. Talk the gaping hole that is now in the infield and in the batting lineup. We do want to remind you of our title sponsor, and that is Davis McCord State Farm. So if you're wondering where you can get good neighbor service, and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis McCord and State Farm, the one-stop shop in Tennessee and Mississippi for the service that you deserve at the price that you want. So quit looking around. We've got you covered. Call Davis, 901-755-6110, and get your surprisingly great rates today like a good neighbor, State Farm, is there. Nicholas, good evening. Yeah, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, Zach. Here, I, th- I think I'm about out of absences for the year. So, <laughs> before you call the truancy officer, I am here today. Yeah, it's uh, well, I mean, it's fitting. It's Masters Week, so you're you're here. Probably excited yeah, un- about that. Unfortunately, Tim Elko's ACL not here. Well, oof. Now that's a segue. Um, <laughs> Real quick though, before we get into that, do you have any uh, picks or any any hunches, any any uh, hot takes for uh, for Augusta National this weekend? I, it does feel, and maybe this is just because I've been in my old bubble, and then we had like the worst news in the world on Monday night with it with Elko, but it kind of feels like it snuck up on us a little bit. Uh, I mean, your your mileage may vary; you may just totally disagree, but I guess because we just had one in November. It yeah. sort of feels like what well, we're already back here, and then not you know not having full patrons and everything. But um, I don't know that he's going to win. But I mean, I, I think anyone discrediting DJ, I mean, he's still the number one player in the world. He's got what six top tens in a row over over at Augusta. I mean, the guy's extremely consistent. And I think if you you know are discrediting him before the Masters even starts, that you you got problems. Yeah. Um... You know, typically no free ads, but I'll let you know if if you want to get on it. Uh, BetMGM had pretty good odds on DJ and Bryson finishing top five, and I feel pretty good about that Um, because, I mean, either one of those guys could just up and win it. Um, I really like Justin Thomas. He's been playing at an extremely high level. And, uh, I mean, hell, last weekend, I mean, Jordan Spieth held off. Charlie Hoffman played really well from start to finish pretty much the entire weekend. Um, wasn't wire to wire, but, um, about as good of a four day stretch as you can have in golf. And then I guess some of the, uh, some of the other names out there, I mean, John Rahm is a guy that's always kind of lingering. And then, um, you know, somebody like, uh, you know, Morikawa, he's always bound to, uh, be in the mix on a course like that when ball striking and, uh, iron play is important. Um, and then, yeah, and I, I keep hearing a lot about Patrick Cantlay being a uh, somewhat of a dark horse. I don't know what his odds are. I don't know if his odds are particularly dark horsey, but um, he's not your typical big name guy that's up there. But I mean, hell, it's Augusta. Um, look for uh, look for experience. Uh, I'll, I, I tend to lean somebody that can really hit irons well and putt well. Um, which I guess you know, hey, hey, if you're gonna win a golf tournament, you got to putt well. Like, yeah, well, no <laughs> shit. Um, all right, so we'll get to uh, we'll get to Ole Miss. Tim Oko, obviously on Monday evening. Um, 
avoided a collision at first base on a routine play that went from routine to disaster. Um, I was not watching it live. I think you were um, obviously awkward trying to avoid the first baseman who was pulled wide from the bag, twisted, did all kinds of bad stuff, couldn't put any weight on it. Um, I saw later in the game when he came back out, had the crutches, and you could see a lot of the players that were coming up and kind of consoling him. Uh, To me, the body language there kind of let me know that it was over. Um, Did have it confirmed this, uh, I I guess, today? Is it confirmed today? Oh, man, it feels like a long time. Yeah, I think it was was Wednesday morning. Yeah. Okay, so... Right, so Wednesday. No, it, was, it was the Tuesday pregame. Um, excuse me, it was the Tuesday before the Alcorn State game. I feel like they they announced that 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 it was torn. Okay, so confirmed ACL tear. Um, I thought it was interesting. Mike Bianco, I guess, told the media they're going to do some kind of treatment and then try to see where they. You, what I guess how the knee responds um, sounded kind of weird to me that they're going to try to do that. Um, I don't know if this is some kind of like Kurt Gibson type deal where they're going to try to just let him go out there and limp around. I, he can't just DH on a torn ACL. I don't know if it's going to be any different in two or three weeks or however long they're going to evaluate, but just seems risky to me for someone that could come back and have a free year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, 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 I guess the thought is, you know, I mean, if, if he doesn't, if he doesn't feel great about playing, you know, in the big leagues, you know, which is, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to tell yourself, you know, hey, you're you're not going to go to the next level. If he doesn't think that that that's it, maybe he thinks, you know, this is kind of it. This is the best opportunity. You know, you've got Nikhazy, you've got Hoagland. He thinks maybe this is the best team he's ever going to play on, and he wants to. You know, ride it out. I mean, obviously, selfishly, I want him to. Um, you know, his earnings in the big leagues aren't, you know, really affecting me as much as they're affecting, you know, what he does at college. But, you know, at the same time, I don't want him to, you know, collapse on the field from, from it getting worse. So, if he thinks he can play through it, and, and obviously, I don't think the doctors are going to send him back out there if if they don't approve of it. So, if he thinks he can play through it, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do. I'm, I'll be very interested to see what kind of power he can generate, you know, with a a bum, you know, knee. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and jump in. In terms of replacing Tim Oko, obviously not literally can't really re- replace him and what he's been able to do. Yeah. Tyler Keenan. I mean, <laughs> you bring him back. <laughs> yeah. Um, through 29 games, uh, it's going to be difficult. 340 batting average, nine home runs, 36 RBIs. 660 slugging, 444 on base percentage. I'm trying to pull the stats up. Um, he was named the National Hitter of the Month. Um, wow. For what he did in March. Uh, found him here. Uh, he hit 424 with nine home runs and 33 RBI. So he had all his home runs in March. Um, so that was in 17 games, 23 runs scored, seven doubles. Uh, slug 939 and was had an on-base percentage of 519, OPS of 1458. Um, yeah. 
And to me too, I'm looking at looking at his numbers. It's it's nine fifty three OPS and SEC play, but he's got ten RBI in nine game. <laughs> Excuse me, nine games. So I mean, he's you know every single game he's going out there, he's driving a run in. I mean, and that's yeah. I mean, you saw it last weekend. How razor thin is the margin? We lost what four one in game one, but it was a two one game there in the eighth, and then we lost a one run game on, on Saturday. So I mean, that you know, obviously we lost those games, but. You've seen one one run games in SEC play and how how much a run a game just about is worth. Yeah, I mean this is it's gonna it's gonna make a huge impact. I mean, there's nobody on the bench that can re, that can replicate those numbers. Um, to my knowledge, maybe maybe somebody pops out of nowhere and can. Um, but this is an offense right now that's top five in batting average. They're top five in on base percentage, top five in runs scored, top five in hits. Top five in RBIs, um, top five in doubles. Um, I, I mean, it, it's it's going to be hard. Top five in you know total plate appearances. They're uh, top six in at bats. Top five in walks. Uh, top five in hit by pitch. I, I, I feel like you know, and, and Tim Elko is not doing all of that, but I feel like it's an offense that basically, you know, if you live by the sword, die by the sword. Uh, I, Tim Elko is the sword. Um, He's the captain. He's the heart and soul of the offense. He's right in the middle of it. He kind of makes them go. Uh, we talk a lot about how the offense, not just Ole Miss, just in general with baseball, it's it, it's it's the long ball again. It's all about launch angles. It's all about extra base hits. And when Peyton Chatagnier, Justin Bench, those guys get on base, and then maybe you have a, a strikeout or a walk, and then Tim Elko's up as a chance for a three-run homer or at least a you know, bases-clearing double. So, they don't have that in the order anymore. It's uh, how and how do Mike Bianco and, and Mike Clement try to fix this issue? Well, I mean, yeah, I think they'll, they're going to start with Kale Baker. But, I mean, let, I, you know, what, what have we seen from Baker, I guess, over the last, you know, few weeks of, of non-conference play? He hasn't played any, any uh, yet in the uh, – he hasn't played a ton, I guess, in SEC play, but – uh, I mean, I think it really truly begins and ends with when you can get Trey LaFleur back. I mean, <clears throat> him coming back is is the only hope, I think, of kind of, you know, stopgap filling in the hole for Elko because, you know, we've seen what he can do, I guess, at the plate. I mean, obviously not quite as polished as Elko or not anywhere close to as polished as Elko, but I think the potential is there for him to be a lot closer to the production that Elko had than, than what Kel Baker can do. So, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I think they, that the LaFleur play, did he play this, this midweek or did they say he's, he's eligible to play? Or he's available this uh, weekend. I believe he got at least an at bat on Monday. I'm not hundred uh, percent. Well, I mean, if, if it, it's, it's not like he had a hurt ankle that he's, it's mono. So if, if he can come back, if he right. was able to come back Monday, and they think he's they think he's ready. I mean, it's it's all about your stamina at that point. It's not you know, obviously he needs some game reps and stuff. But and I hate that he's having to jump in against Arkansas. But I mean, you know, it's it's kind of an X man up thing. Maybe he can't, but you know, maybe someone like Chatagnier can start hitting the ball a little bit better. Maybe everyone can pull a little bit more weight. You're not going to be able to replace you know the doubles and the home runs of Elko with one guy. Maybe it's it's five guys. Maybe Hayden Leatherwood finds some of that magic from last year. Yeah, right now, Kale Baker, only 41 at-bats on the season, but he's under 200. He's right there at 195. Um, 
the slugging is down. The on-base percentage is down. I, I don't know if he's the answer. I, I, I don't really think that – Ben Van Cleve has not really shown any signs of it clicking at any point. Right. I, I'll, I'll say this. So I think you're, you nailed it with Trey LaFleur. Uh, obviously showed a ton of potential in Texas, had the mammoth home run in the game at, at Globe Life. Um, tons of intrigue there, really athletic, it oozes talent. I mean, he's still young. I think you play him and just take your lumps or you at least give him a month and just see what you get. I, I think that... Sure, he's a left-handed bat. It's it's not like you're putting another righty. I don't really put too much into that. Where people are like, "Well, like we, you lose Elko, you lose a right-handed bat. You got to find a right-handed guy to replace him." I mean, whatever. Just find someone who can hit. Um, right. I think you play Lafleur not only because you can keep Graham in the outfield, and I <laughs> look. I, I don't think Kevin Graham's a first baseman. Um, and look, it, it's. I don't, he wasn't signed to be a first baseman, so I don't put a lot of heat on him for for not being a good first baseman. I think you keep him in left. I mean, he's a fine outfielder. I mean, serviceable. Play Lafleur. He's comfortable over there. And you know, if you want to try something else, honestly, I mean, I would play John Rice Plumley in right field. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then kind of go a mixed bag. You know, if you want a right-handed bat go Kale Baker and play him. If you don't really care, just play, in my opinion, the better, the, I guess, more potential at first and, and play the floor. Um, but, I mean, look, I, I think if you're going to be leery of not having another right-handed bat in the lineup, I think you play Plumlee because, honestly, he's shown some signs of getting better in, in the at-bats that he's had. Yeah, I mean, in two, it's kind of an odd. Um, I, I guess it's kind of odd in that you know you got to find someone that can play third base. If you think Bench can do it, then I guess the the spot opens up there in right field. And like you said, Leatherwood. I mean, showed it last year. I don't think there's any question about it. I think he had four or five home runs in the abbreviated seasons. He showed that pop. It's there, I think. But I mean, he, he's not doing anything at all this year. I mean, what what did you say? He he was hitting this season. I mean, you know, it, it's in the one hundreds, uh, isn't it? Leatherwood's at two twenty nine. <laughs> He's at two twenty nine, and Plumlee's done it in in against you know lesser than quality competition. But I did see that he's like fifth on the team in OPS. Now that is in a very small, limited you know amount of plate appearances, right? But he does have a little bit of pop when he comes up there, and I, mean, I if nothing else, you know, he's kind of flashy. He's the quarterback. You know, it's. It's something that maybe it provides a little spark to the team. I, I I just think that we've got, you know, what, 25 games left in the season. I mean, you got 21 conference games and, and five or six non-conference games. I don't know that you're going to fill it with one guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be Kale Baker having a weekend like he had last year against Louisville. It might be Plumlee running into one or making a diving catch in right field. And, it, it you know, it, it may be Leatherwood finding what he had last year. I just think that it's probably going to be a number of guys and, and, you know, someone like TJ McCants obviously is not filling in for Tim Elko, but he's providing a spark out there too. So if, if you have to get, you know, the, the, the one or two hits a game that, that Elko was providing, you know, from one or two different other guys that, that may just be what you have to do. It may just be kind of a team effort to, to kind of pull everyone up. 
you made you made another point about Plumlee and how he's flashy. And if anything, it's a guy in the lineup that can play the outfield. He knows how to play the position. Because look, I, I think McCants he, he's had a couple blunders, but it's a guy that's never played center field before. But I think that he gives you something out there in center. Now maybe you put Plumlee in center and you put McCants in right. Outfielder, you know, left and right is different than center. Um, I'm fine with him. Um, be, you know, staying in center, at least with Plumley though, he gives you some speed. If he gets on base, he can steal some bases. Um, he can give you that, you know, that kind of angle. But look, the, the long and short of it is you can't replace Tim Elko, and and I don't think they're going to be able to find it this weekend. I mean, you're not going to be able to find it that fast. Um, so, look, I mean, I think you try a couple things, you know, they're going to let Kel Baker hit. I think you got to give LaFleur something uh, to at least see what he can do. And it's going to take some time. It's going to take a week or two to try to work out the kinks in this lineup. I hate I hate to harp on on it, but it, it, it wasn't a deep bench before no. the Elko injury. It last year – I felt last year we were supremely deep. I mean, I don't have the, the – the stats right here in front of me, and I guess I could pull them up. But last year, it felt like we had nine or ten guys who could really play. Excuse me, twelve or thirteen guys who could really hit the ball. I mean, going mm-hmm. through, you know, we had guys. You know, Kevin Graham was hitting. He was the ninth best hitter on the team last year by batting average. And you know, you had you know Jerry Neely was getting some at bats, and you know, I think we knew what we had in him a little bit. And there was a ton of guys who who had who had some pop. I'm looking through it. Chatney had four home runs. Uh, Leatherwood had three home runs, and th- this is all in you know what seventeen games last year. So mm-hmm. there was just a lot more, and obviously Ben Vankley was actually you know making contact with the ball. Last year was a deep team, and this year wasn't really a deep team. And then you take off you know without a doubt the, the you know the best hitter you know right in the middle of the lineup, and it's just there's not a lot of options. I mean, wherever we look, we're gonna have to. It's going to be a little bit unexpected. I think that's fair to say. And I don't, I don't mean that harshly on any of the players, but I, I, whatever happens, if you look up at the end of the year and Ole Miss is in Omaha, you're going to be able to look at something and be like, "Wow, I really didn't see McCants hitting 375," or "Whoa, what, what you know what happened with Leatherwood? He really came on," or or Plumley. I mean, it's going to be something surprising. It's going to have to get us there because thus far this year we we haven't really seen it, and there hasn't been a ton of depth. And man, I really worry about you know what happens now if, if, if there's another injury or late in the game, there's just not a lot of pinch hitting options at this point. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no quick answer to, uh, to fill the void. Um, and, and, and I, I hate to be do, so doom and gloom. I'm not, I mean, I think this seems really good still and the pitching, especially the starting pitching is going to leave them in a lot of games. Yeah. It's just, Someone's going to, to some, someone's going to have to you know kind of put the team on their back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll get into this weekend um, after you hear from our sponsors. So hang tight. Quick word from them, and uh, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll preview Ole Miss and Arkansas. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. 
If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Iris in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford... If you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis, and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome, has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station Bourbon a very small batch high rye bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that healing station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. 
And we are back here on Podcast Rebellion. All right, we've talked enough, Tim Elko. We've tried to figure out the lineup. Let's talk this weekend. Ole Miss, Arkansas, top five matchup. Um, I believe Arkansas is number two, right? Yeah. Ar- yeah. yeah. Vandy's Consensus. one, Arkansas two, Ole Miss three. So two versus three. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this, the, uh, the stats, when you look at them, um, in, in terms of offense, uh, it, it's pretty close. Right now, Ole Miss has a team hitting 285, Arkansas hitting 278. Uh, Arkansas does do a lot of damage when uh, they get into teams' bullpens late in games. Uh, they typically don't hit starters well, uh, which could bode well for Ole Miss because, as we know, they have good starters. Uh, Gunnar Hoagland, Doug Nikhazy, Derek Diamond, a little shaky last weekend against Florida. He's been kind of up and down. Um, he's shown some promise. He pitched really well in the opener uh, up in uh, up in Texas. He was pretty lights out. Um, he's been kind of on, kind of not. Uh, but but look, I, I think that even without Tim Elko, this is still a series that Ole Miss can get. I, I I really do think that. I think that it's on the shoulders of Gunnar Hoagland and Doug Nikhazy. I think if those two can give you at least five or six, and uh, you can find some hits here and there. You can piece together some at-bats, maybe run into one. I uh, I think that it's possible for Ole Miss to, uh, to still win two this weekend. I don't think that that's – I don't think no Tim Elko just makes it an automatic sweep or an automatic series win for Arkansas. I still think this is a good Ole Miss team, and uh, they've got the pitching to do it. So uh, how do you see this weekend kind of shaking out? Yeah, I'm not overwhelmed with Arkansas. I mean, let me rephrase. They're the second best team in the country by by ranking and, and honestly by record at this point. But if you look at it, there's there's some one-run games in there. I mean, to me, they're a lot like Ole Miss. I mean, we talked about it earlier in the year, how many one-run or walk-off or last at-bat games was Ole Miss going to win? And, you know, does needing to, you know, play the bottom of the ninth against Belmont or UCF, you know, where we, where we only won one game and it was in the bottom half, <clears throat> you know, how, how often can you do that before maybe you're not quite as good as you think? And I think that was some concern coming in SEC play for 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 me at least. You know, how good was Ole Miss? And I think we've kind of proved through 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 nine games it's a pretty good team. And I think that same concern is there for Arkansas. I mean, they led in the excuse me, they trailed in the bottom of the seventh all three games against Auburn. And you know, I think Auburn's got some pitching, but we watched some a couple weeks ago. It's not a great team. I mean, by any stretch, it's probably a team that's not making the NCAA tournament at all. And they trailed in the bottom of the seventh in all three games in Fayetteville. So uh, Arkansas has got some deficiencies. I mean, not, their pitching staff is not what it used to be. And I think that there's this there's this notion, and it's probably true, <clears throat> that Arkansas, you know, they, they keep bringing in, you know, 6'4 reliever that throws 97. But that guy may be doing that, but he's not that good this year. If you look at their numbers, you know, 378 ERA – in SEC play, opponents are hitting 214 against, which is middle of the pack. Uh, they kind of walk a lot of guys. They're fourth in the SEC in, the, in most walks through nine games in conference play. So it, it's not been a, a dominant pitching staff. I mean, just looking at it, they've they've given up, I guess, the the fourth most earned runs in SEC play. And, you know, one of the teams ahead of them is Missouri, who's just abysmal pitching the ball. So I think that the Arkansas team – kind of leaves a lot to be desired, especially from a starting pitching perspective. And, I mean, I definitely think Ole Miss has got 
you know, the upper hand in games one and two. And then if you can get to game three, you know, maybe McDaniel can come in in long relief or maybe you've got Broadway still, you know, kind of fresh. I, I, mean, I think this weekend is still very, very winnable, even without Elko. Yeah, I, I I really do. And and look, I mean, you've, you've seen what Gunnar Hoagland and Doug Nikhazy have been able to do. I mean, Nikhazy's been great since coming back uh, from injury. And then Hoagland, I believe he still leads the country in strikeouts. Um, was brilliant last weekend against Florida. Was even better the week before. Um, I think that th- this is a gettable game. It's at home. I anticipate there's going to be a large crowd. I think weather is still on on schedule to be uh, extremely nice. And I think that um, that's going to play a factor. I mean, I think that this team is is probably going to be fired up to try to, you know, play for, for Elko. I think, you know, kind of, you know, maybe some little win-one for the Gipper vibes. Um, I think they're going to be excited to get out there. The, you know, there's there's a rivalry with Arkansas. Um, neither team likes each other. Um, Arkansas thinks that Bomb Stadium is basically, you know, Yankee Stadium and Fenway Park and Wrigley combined. Uh, they they definitely have some reservations about Swayze Field being considered a nice ballpark. And then uh, I, I feel like I feel like Dave Van Horde and Mike Bianco, they don't really say it, but I feel like they kind of have some beef and they kind of get after it a little bit. But um I think that this is a this is a huge weekend for this team. Uh, I wouldn't call it a swing weekend. There's still tons of games left. There's plenty on the schedule that's very gettable. I mean, look, Texas A&M is is really struggling this year. I, I wouldn't even call them a good team right now. Um, I, I think Georgia's still on there. Uh, yeah, Georgia's still on there. That's a very gettable series late in the year. Um, so this isn't like oh, well, if they don't win this series, like it's done because look, we talked about it last week, how important starting out six and O was in the conference. Because look now, I mean, losing two out of three last weekend to Florida. Yeah. You don't want to lose two out of three, but it's fine. Um, you didn't get blown out. You were in all three games. So yeah. When well, you're, you're still second in the SEC behind a, that, you know, team featuring, you know, Al Leiter's son and, uh, you know, uh, and, and the the guy who's going to go second in the MLB draft right behind him. So I mean, it's like yeah, yeah. You're still you're still seven and two. You're still sitting pretty up there at the top of the West. And I, you know, I think winning two this weekend would would put you ahead of schedule. I mean, it's going to put you at nine and three. Obviously, that's incredible through twelve games. I one thing I will say about Bianco's teams and his you know what his twenty first year here, they haven't tended to start great in SEC play. I mean, obviously 6-0 is as good as you can go. So obviously the best record he had ever had through six games. I don't know that we've ever been 7-2, and two, and if we have, it's one other time in, in SEC play. I mean, there have been a lot of years where through 15 games, Ole Miss was 7-8, and eight, they were 8-7, and seven, maybe a 9-6. and six. So if you were to win two this weekend, you're 9-3 through 12. The only way you get to nine and six is a sweep down in Starkville, you know, on the on the bad side. So yeah, Bianco's teams tend to play better down the stretch. I mean, you know, there's a lot of those eighteen and twelve years where Ole Miss started eight and seven and and, and you know finished ten and five in the last fifteen. You know, maybe that's the benefit of a schedule. You pick up a sweep at Alabama. I think we did that a couple of times, and whereas we did it on the front this year, but I, I really do think that you know, looking at that pitching staff, I mean, they're going to keep you in games. 
And as valuable as Tim Elko was, I mean, you know, he's one of nine hitters. And, you know, I, I told you he had 10 RBI through through nine SEC games. Well, there's still like 73 out there on the whole squad. So it, it's, you know, he's, he's only one-seventh of that production. I mean, there's still a lot of guys that can hit the ball really well. Uh, one thing that I guess con- kind of concerns me is Arkansas is a very good fielding team. I don't think Ole Miss is – I mean, putting it nicely, I don't even think Ole Miss is an average fielding team. I think it's 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 below average. Like Last weekend, I think at Florida they had five errors, and I think if you were grading it a little more harshly, you'd probably have given them seven or eight. It was not a great fielding weekend. Arkansas is one of the best in the country at 981. So that's that's something to think about. I mean, you know, we, we know these you know margins are razor thin. So, and I hate to even use that word razor this weekend, but, um, but you know, it's a, it's a small margin. So yeah, if, if Arkansas is filling the ball, well, it, it becomes that much more difficult, but two out of three this weekend and you are set up with, you know, a trip to Starkville and then Vanderbilt back at home. And at that point, it's just, you know, avoid sweeps really. And, mm-hmm. and you, you're looking great through 18 games and then it gets a lot easier. I mean, there's Georgia, there's Texas A&M. There's a South Carolina team that's good, but you get them in Oxford. Yeah, yeah. I, look, it's the it, it sucks. You know, life after Tim Elko is going to be tough for this team. They're going to have to figure some things out and uh, find a way. But I think that it's good to have this series at home with a chance to rebound in a big way. I mean, honestly, I think if this team can win two out of three this weekend, I think that's going to be extremely helpful for their confidence and for the the psyche of this team moving forward. Oh yeah, and I, I didn't even I didn't even mention LSU. So I mean there's man the, yeah. that that the middle part of the schedule is brutal, but the back half is three series that I think that you, you, I mean I hate to just say you should win you know multiple SEC series especially one against LSU, but I mean does, is LSU going to have a coach? I was going to say in man, 5 that- weeks. If anyone's really more than A&M, it's them. I mean, they're not good in the first place. They're 1-8. and eight, So it's a bad baseball team. And they just lost their Friday night guy, you know, yeah. to, to, to UCL surgery. You know, it's just awful to hear. And I'm, and I'm sure, you know, going to – this is his draft year. It's, it's a big year for him. So I hate to hear that. But, I mean, I, I, I don't hate to hear that LSU is 1-8 through nine games in conference play. No. And – I, I, they've still got some good teams. They, they haven't played Arkansas yet. They haven't played Ole Miss yet. Um, Texas A&M, if they want to get into the tournament, they're going to have to you know win a series like LSU. So there's a lot of losses still on that schedule. I mean, I don't know that they'll fire Maneri mid-year, but they might. I mean, I, it, it, how many losses can they take? Can they be like 4-12 and 12 in SEC play, which is – not that far fetched. They're one and eight. I don't know if he he's still there. If they're you know sitting there at at seven and twenty two, <laughs> I think they're definitely going to be looking for a new coach after the season. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is well, I mean, insane okay. to think. They're one and eight. So for them to 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 get to, let's just say for them to get to thirteen and seventeen, they'd have to go twelve and nine over the. <laughs> oh, so I mean, not happening. They're not. For, heck, for them to get to to ten and twenty, they would need to go nine and nine and twelve, right? I just don't. And that's like I said, they've still got Arkansas, they've still got Ole Miss. Um, 
Uh, yeah, enjoy it though, man. I can't, I, I can't wait to see LSU with seven or eight SEC wins. I was gonna say you, you hate to see that happen to such a great uh, university, storied program. <sighs> yeah, um, you know, it's a bummer. It's really, it's really, it's truly a bummer to see uh, them fall on hard times. The, the sad thing is though, and I, I'll interject real quick, but the sad thing is, is that. LSU baseball is probably the least shitty of the programs down there from like a, a human perspective. And they're the yeah. only one really suffering on the field. Like yeah. Football, you know, stealing money from sick kids, just won a national title. Basketball, making strong ass offers, just made the NCAA tournament. Baseball, probably actually pretty decent guy as the coach and is fixing to get fired. You know, it's just like the total opposite of karma down there. Yeah, um, and yeah, look, I mean, Ole Miss fans, I, I think it's uh, it's going to be brutal when um, LSU somehow figures out a way to to hire Cliff Godwin. Uh, who knows? I thought you were going to say Bianco. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa. Uh, I, hey, make a strong-ass oh, yeah. offer, and he might go back home. Um, he'd probably make his, his son transfer, though. Transferred back here. Yeah, <laughs> just a swap. Um, all right. Well, well, that's gonna do it for uh, for podcast rebellion this week. Um, pulling up, try to pull up the schedule. It's taking a minute. Um, you might know the game times before I scroll and find it. I think it's six four and one thirty. I think yep. that's the. You nailed is it. That right. The, the early game on Friday. A little earlier game. Yep. Six, four, and one thirty. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Friday night, SEC Network. Saturday, Sunday, SEC Network Plus. So you'll be on the big channel on Friday. Um, don't know. I don't know if if they'll be doing. Uh, no, if it'll be Tom Hart and and uh, Ben McDonald, or it'll be Tom Hart and uh, Kyle Peterson. I'm It'd not be. sure. Yeah. Um, either one of those guys. I really like McDonald. I really like Peterson. I know yeah. McDonald's an LSU guy, but I think that they're they're both really good. Oh, and, and Saturday's, a, from what I've heard, I don't know if this is true or not, a complete sellout. You cannot buy tickets oh. to the game Saturday. Whether or not you can get them at the gate, maybe that's a different story. But as of 2 o'clock today, you could not purchase one on Ole Miss's website. So not even SRO. So, yeah, so that's some, something to think of. Now, Friday night, if you haven't gotten one, you pro- probably go ahead and snag it. Better hurry up. Uh, Sunday, Sunday, you're probably a little bit more okay. You know how Sunday crowds are. But, yeah, Saturday yeah. supposedly sold out. There you go. Um, yeah, so if you're going to the game, have fun. Uh, hell, make sure to uh, send us some pics on, uh, on Twitter. Tag us. Show us uh, what you got on the grill. Show us what you're sipping on. Show us... Uh, Show us uh, having fun with uh, with your friends because uh, it's nice to uh, go to sporting events and be around uh, like-minded individuals that uh, hate Arkansas. Um, but that's going to do it. Um, so thanks to Nick for joining. Thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. Also, thanks to our sponsors who make this show possible. And uh, big ups to Davis McCord for uh, sponsoring this studio. So until next week, we will uh, we'll be back to recap the series and look forward to the following week for Ole Miss baseball 
and uh, what may come of it. We, we might even talk some, some almost basketball transfer portal next week. Who knows? But uh, for Nick, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion. Thank you all for listening. We out.